Hello, my love. Welcome to the Goddess Nurturer podcast. Welcome back. If you are a listener, I'm Britt Lee. I'm so happy to have you here. Today, we are talking about trauma. Why you're not getting anywhere, why you're not able to manifest your desires, especially if you're stuck on trauma. And um, you might have come to this episode after being directed here from the quiz. Is suffering addiction blocking you from manifesting? And if that is the case, then you definitely are in the right place because we're going to talk about why you might be stuck on trauma and in that way, blocking your own blessings, um, feeling like you're not where you should be, feeling like you are not able to attract or create what it is that you truly want, at least on a conscious level. We're going to talk about all that, all right? So the main question that I get from clients is usually having to do with self-sabotage. Why do I keep sabotaging what I want? How do I manifest if I can't get out of my way and get over this toxic cycle of, you know, thinking of something, deciding that I want something, and then almost immediately blocking it or sabotaging it in some way? And the quick answer to that question is it's about your inability to move through and past that old trauma that you are still identifying with and into the present moment where you truly do have all the potential, the tools, at least access to the tools, everything that you need to be whoever you want to become and create whatever it is that you want in this present moment, all right? It's likely though that your identity is tied to your past experiences. So even though consciously, you are wanting something, you're wanting to bring something into your present reality. Subconsciously at your core, you don't believe what it is that you are consciously trying to manifest, okay? There's a disconnect and that can't be the case. You need to be in alignment both consciously and subconsciously so that you can actually feel good, feel open and receptive, allowing what it is that you want to come into fruition be on that energetic plane and bring it into your reality. So when we suppress old pain, it doesn't just go away. All right. A lot of people think that they can just like block something out of their conscious mind and it'll just disappear. Right. Because you're not putting your actual conscious focus and attention on it. Instead, you might be getting to work or you might have gotten out of a relationship where you got your heart broken and you might jump into a new one. Right. But the pain is still there. It doesn't go away. And it just becomes a part of you. (laughs) The pain that we will not work through and process out of our systems just integrates into who we are, into our identities. And this is how the trauma identity is born. And when you get trapped here and stuck here, your pain becomes the lens through which you experience everything. Not only yourself, but the world around you. The trauma identity keeps a person dependent on their pain that they have been suppressing. So what is trauma, briefly? Psychological and emotional trauma is damage to a person's mind as a result of one or more distressing life events that cause overwhelming amounts of stress and emotion and it exceeds the person's ability to cope or integrate those emotions involved 
And that eventually leads to a serious long-term negative consequence or several consequences on the back end as a result of that trauma if it is not dealt with and faced in the moment or somewhere following, you know, the earlier the better. But as this, as the time goes on, as things linger, it becomes more and more difficult to even summon up that, especially depending on how bad it was, the significant impact on your life. Um, some people just go ahead and shut it down and lock it away in like a chest and they just don't ever want to look at it again. And so it becomes just a deep rooted part of who that person is, even though they might not be consciously aware of it and they're not thinking to themselves about the situation every day. It's just something that was never dealt with. And so it just stayed there latent, all right, in the psyche, in the person's identity, a lot of times even in that person's personality where they have this trauma that has not been resolved. So with that said, there is a difference between pain and suffering. When I'm talking about addiction, first of all, we want to note that we're not talking about you love addiction. I mean, you love pain. Sorry. When we talk about addiction, we're not saying you consciously love pain. You can't get enough of suffering. That's not what we're saying. But it is being constantly attracted to or even not attracted to on a conscious level, but not being able to get away and do something different um, than the behaviors that you've come to identify with. Things that you know will bring you pain. Things that people that continue to bring you pain, right? And so there is a difference between pain and suffering. And pain is more, it's more immediate it's like that that flash um the moment in which you have that traumatic event and it is the body alerting you to something being wrong to there being a um a negative impact to there being a what's the word that just came to mind um i just had it and then it just completely went away Violation. There you go. <laughs> On some level. All right. Some kind of personal violation. Then suffering is like the chronic long term effects of that pain. So it's just having it continued on into your future and into your current reality. That's the big difference there. And so. Really, there is it's nuanced, but you could be addicted to pain and or suffering, you know. Uh, usually when someone is addicted to pain, that is that immediate sense of that, um, the feeling, that immediate sense of feeling that comes from pain, all right, which is usually negative, but still, at least you're feeling something. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about in a second. Some people feel as though they can't feel anything if they're not in pain, all right? And then the suffering is, again, the long-term resistance of that pain that leads to a more chronic state of emotional hardship all right so if you are in an unhappy environment but you feel like you lack the ability or the strength or the resources or the will to make a change in your situation then you'll enter into a suffering mindset where you feel like you have to be there where you make a bunch of excuses on why you have to be there where you don't know a way out or you're not willing to actually do the work to figure out a way out 
um, or you don't think that you can manage something on your own. You might feel as though you've been in a relationship for 20 years and it is toxic and abusive even on some levels, but you stay there because you don't know how to manage on your own. Maybe you have become financially dependent on this person, emotionally dependent on this person. You're just afraid of being alone. It could be a number of things, all right? But that is a dependency on your own suffering, especially when you're not willing to look at other options. So how does suffering even become addictive? Addictive, sorry. Well, our brains are wired to predict outcomes for our own protection. The body releases an opioid-like chemical when you experience pain. And when you relive traumatic events, and this is to help you cope with these events. Um, And so that's how you become on a physiological level addicted or dependent on suffering or pain or reliving past hurtful events. And your brain really wants to protect you from having to relive that same stress. And so by doing that, And by telling yourself, all right, when this happened to me last time, however long ago, this was the end result. And so when I feel this sense of anxiety or or fear, you know, even if it's something that you're going through that that could be good for you. Your brain is going to tell you, alert, alert, you're entering into a danger zone. Watch out. (laughs) Last time you did this, this bullshit happened and we don't want to do that again. Uh Uh-uh. Back off, back off. And. You're going to be like, okay, I know what happens on a subconscious level. I know what happens when I feel this way. It's not a good thing. Let me backtrack. That's what that your body is telling you, right? To alert you to some type of predator in your midst. Even if that's not the case, this is just what you've become used to. All right. So that's the most simplest way I can explain because that's a whole nother episode about how pain or suffering can become addictive it's just because the chemicals that the body releases as a result of pain painful experiences that can be emotional pain that can even be physical pain like working out you know lifting weights tearing the muscles in that way in the body you get a chemical release that allows you to be able to cope with painful experiences all right next up I'm sorry if I'm going a little fast. I hope I'm not going too fast, but I do want this to not be a decade long recording because I can start rambling <laughs> and I don't want to do that. I want you to get what you need and be able to go forward with your day and then we'll meet again next week. Cool. All right, cool. So how suffering addiction can actually present in real life. A couple of examples. First of all, you'll be experiencing a chronic sense of paralysis and anxiety in unhappy or unfulfilling or unhealthy situations but because of that paralysis you'll feel like you're stuck there that you lack again the will the strength the resources to do something different so instead of actually doing something different and breaking that pattern which has become a pattern in your brain mind you like I said that can be a whole nother episode while you're doing these things you are reaffirming in your brain avenues to take when you feel a certain way and when you don't break that old pattern of doing something that doesn't actually work and it's not the most healthful for you but it does help you cope in the the meantime 
you are always telling yourself and always creating and making that pattern in your brain even stronger that allows you to move in the opposite direction of what it is that you really want. I need you to understand this so that you can understand how manifestation is working on a more physiological level, like in the body. Okay, on a mental, on a brain level. We're talking about circuits that have been wired in your brain that then are leading to a mindset. And by constantly going down that same path because of this addiction or dependency that you've developed, you're only making it stronger. And as difficult as it is to go in the opposite direction, that will feel a little more resistant in the beginning. It will be so much more beneficial and fruitful for you to go ahead and do that as soon as possible so that you can start carving out another circuit in your brain and allow for your own blessings to come in, allow for you to be able to be comfortable with your own success. All right. But that we'll we'll dive more into that. Just keep listening to this these next few weeks. Keep coming back to the podcast. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but like I said, in real life, the chronic paralysis, being in an unhealthy, unfulfilling, unhappy situation, but feeling like you can't do anything about it. So instead of doing something about it, you will then become obsessed or depressed. All right. So when I say obsessed, I mean healing obsessed or healing depressed or you can think of healing deprived or healing deluded. Okay. So first of all, with healing obsessed, you start learning all the ways in which you are like broken, quote unquote. Right. And why? Why is it that you are feeling the way you do? Why is it that you're stuck here in this situation, even though you are miserable? Um, And then you'll start doing all the research that can be like looking stuff up on Google, on YouTube, you know, binging all the healing videos that could be the point at which you come into your spiritual awakening, but you also lack the balance. So then you'll be, you know, completely stuck in the spiritual sense and in the, the upper level chakras, right? So opening the crown chakra and the third eye and, but you lose your groundedness in your real life. So the first and second and third chakras, right? You become ungrounded in your money, um, in your career, your goals. Uh, You become less active. Uh, You experience a weakening of your sacral. So it's hard for you to bring things into your reality as far as creating. You fall off work. That's the imbalance that's put on healing obsession, okay? And then on the opposite end, you might be experiencing healing deprivation. So that's a complete almost ignoring of the fact that you even need healing. Um, You might be shifting blame onto other people. You might be saying, okay, I know something's wrong here, but I don't have time to deal with this. I'm going to focus instead on my money. So this is like on the opposite scale of what we're just talking about. Now you're focusing only on your day-to-day reality, on making the money, on creating the things, uh, You're in complete denial almost (laughs) or in delusion, right, of needing to explore yourself further and in a deeper way or exploring the issues that you are facing and why they're there. And you might instead just dabble in some more shadow, not shadow, shallow work, (laughs) not shadow, but shallow work. So you might be, you know, writing some, what is it like doing the affirmations, 
every now and then, writing positive things, really encompassing that whole toxic positivity vibe where you want to like cut out everything that could even have to make you a little bit uncomfortable, cut out everybody in your life that makes you have to question yourself or any of your old beliefs in any way because you're so opposed to having to do any real self-work. Those are the two signs that this normally, sides that it normally comes out in, all right? Healing obsession, healing deprivation, and really the sweet spot is to find somewhere in the middle where you are willing to do the shadow work, but also not become so obsessed in it that you can never even just move forward. We have to do some shadow work, but we have to also know when it's time to move forward. And this is the main issue why people normally come to me after they've been in therapy for some time. Most of my clients come to me after they have just gotten fed up and frustrated with traditional talk therapy and are looking for ways to like, all right, I get why certain things happen. I get why I am this way. I get my reactions to certain things. I've been working on that, but like, how do I, okay, I'm tired of talking about this. I don't know how to move forward with my life. And that's completely understandable because you have been identifying with this part of yourself and with this identity for so long. How would you then know how to move forward, right? That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> it's one thing to understand something. It's another thing to know how to, what to do with it, right? So coming into identity, why is identity important to manifestation? Well, we started out this talk by talking about self-sabotage and we mostly know, all right, if someone is sabotaging themselves, it's normally as a result of some spotty self-esteem, okay, some unhealthy. I don't really use the word low because it's more of like a spectrum of health and um, completion and it's less about, you know, like having high or low. I don't want you to start identifying with high or low, you know, self-esteem, high or low confidence. Someone can on the outside appear to have all the confidence on self-esteem in the world, but then have no idea who they truly are. So that's why I tend to quali qualify it in a way of being healthy, unhealthy, healthy, meaning you have a strong sense of self and identity and you also have a solid level and, and sense of respect for yourself. So I put into self-esteem, self-respect, and sense of identity. Identity means you know who you are and you are satisfied with that. Okay, period. You know who you are. You are satisfied with who you are. Therefore, you have a solid core. You're solid. You don't have to be liked by everyone to have a healthy self-esteem or sense of identity on the contrast it's likely that some people are not gonna like you because you are so in tune with who you are and a lot of people are not a lot of people are lost and looking for things on the outside to fill them up and to define them identity is important to manifestation because you have to have that sense of identity to be able to have that sense of healthy self-esteem and you need to have that healthy sense of self-esteem, sorry, in order to get out of your way and allow for your blessings to come in, not block them and to 
get in alignment, have the energy that you need in order to manifest. We know that to manifest, we need to be feeling good. We need to be feeling like we're in alignment with what we want. We need to have our conscious and the subconscious working together, not against each other, not pulling us in opposite directions. We need to cut the resistance as much as possible and be in a place of flow and receiving. So if your identity is tied to trauma and not having what you want and things not working out for you and feeling like you are the victim and you're the one that gets taken from or abandoned or abused, then how will you ever be in the energy and in the good feeling and in the openness to receive what it is that you want or manifest what it is that you want? You won't feel as though you're even good enough to have it. So how can you get it? That's the importance of identity to manifesting. When you have a strong identity and you are good with who you are and you have that sense of self-satisfaction, there is no such thing as I don't deserve this thing that I want. Of course I do. I'm me, (laughs) right? So here are five common reasons to close out this audio. I got you. We're wrapping it up. Five common reasons that you might be stuck in a trauma identity and blocking the manifestation of your conscious desires. All right. Something is conscious might not necessarily be subconscious. So remember that. Sorry, just going ahead to get to the page I want to be on. I have to keep notes, guys, because like I told you, I'll start rambling. You'll be here for actually you won't be here because I'm sure you would have turned it off by then. (laughs) All right. Point one, why you might be stuck in a trauma identity is that you are too enmeshed with the culture. And I use culture as this big overarching theme because culture is so, so important to your self-esteem. Research shows that we develop our sense of self-esteem, quote unquote, based off of our culture. Now, the culture can be the people that are closest to you, your family, your friends, or it can be the culture at large that you identify with. All right. It can be a hip hop culture. It can be like whatever culture it is. <laughs> your self-esteem is normally unbeknownst to you, you know, you're not like thinking about it this way, but typically people associate their level of self-esteem with their ability to appease the culture and to fulfill its expectations. It has nothing to do with what you truly want and what you identify as the most healthful and authentic for you to live a fulfilled life. It's more about you fitting into the mold of the culture and meeting its expectations. That's how we unconsciously develop and secure our self-esteem, which is a problem in itself. But that makes sense because say if you are the scapegoat of your family, that means you are very much enmeshed in your family, usually up to a certain point. And if your family does not benefit from you doing well, or your friend group does not benefit from you doing well, or your culture at large does not benefit from you doing well. So this is like, for example, why people who have been dislocated, displaced people, black people, native people, whatever, in North America, well, of course, they're not going to have, as a collective, high self-esteem because the culture 
does not benefit from them doing well or healing or having a strong sense of identity. Hmm. Ah, right? (laughs) So, if you're really enmeshed with your family or your culture, then you won't benefit from getting stronger and moving into a higher level of self, a higher vibration, if they don't benefit. All right? And for somebody that's really, really, like, gets their sense of identity from the people that are around them, from the people who raise them, from their friends, it's really, really difficult to break free from this. Okay, this is some strong stuff. And no one's going to want you to get better if, I mean, if it's not going to do anything for, for them. If you're enmeshed in this type of toxic system. And then if they don't want you to get better and you rely a lot on their thoughts of you or their opinions of you. Then you're going to lack the motivation to do anything different in your life. And we are, as a species, very much reward based. So if you can sense that you're not going to get a reward from this, you know, either because they are already the people around you are already not very open to your growth or you changing. Right. (laughs) You all heard that. Well, she changed and blah, blah, blah. You know, if they're very much vocal about this or they already talk about other people in your family or in your friends group who have supposedly changed or you just have a history in your family of maybe you did things growing up as a kid that were great for your growth and it was something even if your family put you up to it and they pressured you into doing it but then when you actually did it and you completed it there was nothing on the other end there was no well, great job or there was no applause or there were no rewards there was nothing then you've gotten used to not being rewarded for going after things and so now you lack the motivation to contribute to your own growth And do things that will be very uncomfortable, at least at first. Because you feel like you're on your own. And you doubt what you're going to get on the back end as being worth all the trouble. Okay, so if the social survival dynamics within your group, whether it's your family, your friends, um, or your culture at large, say that you need to show up in a certain way in order to survive there or be accepted or loved there, then unless you can really, really gather the strength and the courage and the will to do something different and go in another direction, it'll be very hard. It really requires you to get super honest with yourself and um, know who you are. Again, getting out of that trauma identity and coming into your own competent, abundant identity Where you can step back and say, okay, what am I actually losing? Who am I actually losing by taking this step? Why would I even be losing them if I'm doing something that's going to be good and authentic and healthy for me? And what should I do with this? Should I care enough to lose myself? That's the question that you got to ask there, right? If you find yourself in that situation. Two. Second reason you might be stuck in a trauma identity is that you have a belief of who you are and what's going to come next for you based off of the past. You know, this is very subconscious belief stuff, limiting belief stuff. So nothing will ever work for me type of belief. I'm not the type of woman who gets this type of thing. 
I'm always having to climb a, you know, to, to fight this hard battle or climb this huge hill. Nothing ever comes easy for me. Everything's always hard. All that type of stuff, especially when you're using statements like always, never, nothing. That's really, really strong language. If you find yourself saying that out loud, especially even to yourself. Ooh, no, 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 boo. Stop. Okay. If you have a subconsciously digested belief here that you continue to repeat to yourself that nothing ever works out for you or that you aren't good enough, then of course you're going to block your abundance and you're staying in that trauma identity. The third reason you might feel like if you don't stay here and you're suffering, that you are going to lose your ability to feel anything. All right. This is a very common addictive personality trait and that could be addicted to anything addictions to anything sex love money um, food anything that is sensual in nature taste touch hearing smelling like you know it really really piques the senses and you have a really tough time getting sensual experiences in your daily life This will be a reason for staying in a suffering complex and constant state of pain here because you feel like without that feeling, even if it is not the most good feeling, you know, I'm sure at some point it feels good, but it always boils down to feeling bad, right? You might feel like without it, you you can't feel anything. You won't feel anything and your life will just feel numb and empty. There is a vast sense of emptiness, especially on a spiritual level Um, in our culture these days, period. I mean, we're numbing to everything, everything that was supposed to be a sacred experience or um, make us feel emotionally is we are becoming numb to it. All right. If you're talking about sacred sexuality or creation or money, everything Toxic masculine culture has a way of numbing us and exploiting the good, and especially if it's feminine in nature. So I completely understand this. Your pain and suffering might be your own source of excitement or passion, or so you believe and you might tell yourself. So you subconsciously hold on to it because even if it's toxic, it leads to something and it gives you a temporary feeling of a void. It distracts you from having to do the actual heavier work of first acknowledging that void in itself. That's one part. And then filling it in more authentic ways. It could also be a source of your compassion for others. You might be in an an area of work or life where you feel like you have to be able to um, access pain and suffering energy more readily for people that you work with or whatever. But we must find other ways, if that's the case, to feel without having our identities tied to a sense of suffering. Okay. Next up, number four, is that you don't trust yourself. That's why you are stuck in a trauma identity is because you don't trust yourself to make good choices, to make the best choices for you, to be open emotionally to be open to other ways of doing something. And of course you wouldn't. If you have spent your whole life 
betraying yourself, rejecting yourself, abandoning yourself, of course you would not trust yourself. Simple. The process for getting past that, I mean, not so simple that I can go into it all here, but that's simple enough to understand. We don't trust those who betray us, right? On an external level, you don't trust a partner who continues to betray your trust, who continues to lie to you, cheat on you, um, reject you, put other people over you in your relationship. All right. So turn that on yourself. That is all love and self-love is. Being able to take that, what you're giving to other people, and then like projecting that onto yourself. So in this area, you have to look at the ways in which you are betraying yourself on a constant, continual basis. And why that would allow you to trust yourself. You have to start doing the opposite. All right. Number five. Last reason. (sighs) The pain and suffering feels easy. Predictable. Controllable. Therefore, safe. Many of us have learned to take comfort in chaos usually stems from our upbringing in which we had to do that all the time. We come from chaotic families, families who, I mean, (laughs) this is where the pain and suffering was usually born and we had to deal with it the best we could and we get used to the chaos and the drama and the toxicity and it just becomes what we know. It kind of is like, you know, choosing the devil that you know or the one that you don't. Again, we get rewarded in our systems for being able to accurately predict the outcome of things. And so when we are used to dealing with drama and chaos, even if it's negative, at least we know what's coming up. It's not like we are continuing, we're turning our back on that completely and then looking into this like huge void of darkness. Like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> That's the scary stuff for a lot of people. The, un- the unknown is unfamiliar and so it's unsafe or at least it feels that way in that darkness could be a hundred puppies it could be a little bit of darkness and then you could like come into a pot of gold at the end of this tunnel but instead of that you're seeing just a black hole so you again choose the devil that you know you choose the chaos that you've become comfortable with or the suffering that you can at least predict at least I know that when I'm in this relationship with this guy, uh, he might be emotionally abusive. He might be verbally abusive, but at least he's not physically abusive, right? I know women who are in that type of situation. I could leave this situation. I could deal with something 10 times worse. If I could tell you how many times I've heard that. That's just one example. All right. If you want to manifest your conscious desires in your dreams... Be the master manifester that you were created to be because, mind you, we were created in the image of God. Anything that he can do, we can do. He can create, we can create. If you want to get out of your own way, you first got to get out of this trauma identity. The way you see yourself is critical. So stay with me. Check back in with me next week. We'll be talking about another level of the trauma identity and how to recreate yourself on a real level. All right. This is not no like we're speaking it into existence without the real work. No, 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 no. (laughs) On a brain chemistry level, 
How can you recreate yourself? All right, my love. If you have not yet taken the quiz, you need to go do that and see if this is true for you. You know, it's fun. It's enlightening. Is suffering addiction blocking you from manifesting? I think that's something that we all should know. If not, cool. You'll have ideas of what might be blocking you from manifesting if you are experiencing an issue with this. And if so, you can join the squad and start doing something different to get everything you want and desire in this lifetime. Okay, my love, thank you for being here with me. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'll see you next time. Bye.